0: Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and we're here today with an international guest. This is Cormac DeBarra, who is related to, and uh, most of our listeners are very familiar with Helen Lounsbury, who, of course, lives in Bern, but it turns out her great-grandfather, no, her grandfather was a brother to Cormac's great-grandfather, and Cormac is a harpist from Dublin who travels the world with his music. So welcome.
1: Thank you very much, (laughs) Melissa. It's a delight to be here.
0: And I first heard him play decades ago. And I would just like, it's beautiful, beautiful (laughs) music. It's the kind that that gives you goosebumps. I would just like to hear how you started with this.
1: Well, my my grandmother on my mom's side actually okay. is, is a harpist, and my, my well, she was she was a one of five sisters who all played the harp, and they oh were. Oh my
0: gosh! Tell us about her.
1: Well, her name was Roisin uh, O'Shea, Roisin Nihay in Gaelic, Roisin O'Shea, and she was a uh, I guess she was a kind of. She had, she had her own TV show for kids at home, and she had a radio show before that. And I discovered years later that my grandfather, who was a singer. He won a competition, and my grandmother was hosting this show, which which um, featured these winners, and that's where they met. They met across the oh, across a bit like this at a radio studio, what a across great the room.
0: Story. So you were sort of born into this,
1: surrounded by it. Look yeah. I, I thought you know what the first thing was. I mean, I, I'm one of I'm the eldest of seven. My mom's first of nine so I just thought everybody had this around them my grandmother's house was full of music all the time she played the harp and she sang my mom did the same my aunts would all sing and my uncles played different instruments and flutes whistles and pianos so I just thought that everybody had this around them and then I discovered as I began to travel that uh, this wasn't the case and we were really very
0: rare Yeah, so
1: fortunate to have it you know
0: yeah. yeah. So what made you decide, uh, with all of this music around you and different kinds of instruments, why the harp? What is it about the harp?
1: I fell in love with the harp when I was about three or four years old. My my grandmother had uh, many visitors, who many, uh, students, some of them, but one very famous uh, woman was Mary O'Hara, who was a singer. Uh, she was well-known. I think Joan Baez was a friend of hers, and she was very famous in the... In the seventies and sixties, I guess, and her uh, her her songs. My great her my grandmother's sister was her teacher, and my grandmother would have her over to learn songs. So uh, I remember at the age of three, my first memory ever is looking through the harp and seeing. So she was very tall and she was imposing, and she came to learn a song from my grandmother. And so my first ever memory in this world is hiding behind the harp and seeing this wonderful woman coming in to to learn a a song from my grandmother on the harp. So it was a, um, it's always been there. And I just, one day, my sister wanted to take a lesson. And then she took a lesson and I took a lesson. I said, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. And was about now you're one of
0: seven children I you said am the So eldest. where are you in the lineup, and where is your sister I'm trying to picture There's, the two of you
1: We're Irish twins, I'm, oh. a, I'm 11 months older I'm the eldest okay. and she's 11 months younger than me okay. So she decided to take a um, A lesson And I guess uh, when I was uh, Just watching it happen I said, I've said, i always been intrigued by the harp And I was about 10 or 11 at this stage And I had taken piano lessons occasionally And we all learned songs from my mom But I just thought I wanted to try this and for some reason my, my grandmother took a liking to me rather than my she was like my sister said well you're going to be too busy doing your makeup and your things too, and shopping I'm not going to so she was really mean to my sister you know my poor sister have
0: you talked and, to your sister about this in later oh, years she, she
1: she remembers this vividly oh, she goes, wow. I just I was put off by this idea. so um I guess that was where it began I was sitting in the living room watching my sister get a, a, a harp lesson in the front room of the house my gran- my grandmother's house so then every Friday after school and every Sunday after mass I would go to get a lesson you know so and you so were one of
0: those kids that uh, your mother didn't have to sit on you to practice it was just something you loved to do.
1: It was something, I, I just, I really enjoyed it so much and yeah. I guess that's the thing with any kid learning an instrument, if you give them something that they don't really love, they will do it while they're told to do it and then as soon as they get a chance they'll finish. Mm-hmm. But I just loved it from the beginning and I loved to, I just loved the heart, I love the sound, I loved the music it made I loved, it was around us at home and also it's the symbol of, art. it's a symbol of um, not, this wasn't the reason I chose it but all the tax forms, all the coins, all the yeah. government forms the it's harp everywhere. is the national symbol of Ireland you know so I think we're the only country I think Burma has something well, not of Myanmar but another we're the only country that I'm aware of that has a musical instrument as our national symbol you know so well,
0: what a great national symbol I mean we have an eagle which is like a you know a bird of prey. <laughs> A harp seems like such a, a grander thing as a metaphor. Well, and tell us about, it's a Celtic harp that you play, it right? Is, yeah, and just describe that for us and how it's different than the, the larger harp.
1: I guess the, the orchestral say. harp, the one that people more, will be more familiar right. with, is a, is a concert harp or a pedal harp. And mm-hmm. the, the, the front column of these harps has a, um, there are seven rods that go through this, and the pedals on the base of the harp, basically they change the key, a bit like you know on, on a guitar you have a fretboard and the frets each time you go it's a half and a half tone half step each each fret as you go as the string gets shorter the note gets higher mm-hmm. so on the harp the, the strings physically get shorter if you open up a piano you'll see the same a harp in a box they call it a piano mm-hmm. but on the on the celtic harp uh, you have the only way to change keys is a little lever on each of the strings you have a Semitone, a half tone lever that will change it from, say, a C to a C sharp or whatever. So you you get a certain amount of flexibility in the keys that you can play in, and the the front pillar is curved, like it's more like a triangle with a kind of a curve on it. And that's the that's the that's basically the, the signature sign of of a Celtic harp. Mm-hmm. But they used to be. I mean, in in I guess historically, we've had harps in Ireland for about a thousand years, more than that, and possibly further back. But they have. Is the only evidence that they can, like archaeologically, point to is there are, well, historically I suppose, to that there are high crosses in the Celtic crosses in the in the graveyards around the monasteries mm-hmm. that have uh, carvings of harps that are triangular, oh, like no. we have. So and the, they date those to I think 900 AD or, or 1000 AD. So. So you're part of a
0: thousand-year-old tradition in the play. Has the music been passed down from generation to generation? It has.
1: Well, the the thing was, I guess up to um, the 17th century, 18th century, beginning of the 18th century, the harps were made of willow and the strings were made of uh, brass or copper. Mm -hmm. And they were played with the nails, a bit like you pluck uh, with the plectrum on on a guitar nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the system that supported this art was the old Gaelic system of the chieftains in each clan. And the clan would have a poet and a harper and the um the, the, I guess the court would include these people and you weren 't a full Irish chieftain until you had a harper and a poet as, as your in your retinue you know? so that was part of the the system but then under british rule the, the that system of patronage was lost, and the money that supported these people or the the the, 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 the nobility that supported this. Um, they they had to flee the country, or they were dispossessed by the by the invading uh, forces. So the, the the system of patronage was, was lost. So this system, and it was always passed on by ear. So all these harpers would have passed on the the the, the, the ability and the the knowledge and the and the pieces by ear. So by the eighteenth century, this was fading. Uh, but some people saw this happening, and they sent people to collect the tunes and write them down because it was never we never wrote them down in our system. So it was always passed on by ear. Uh, so, so from, when you yeah. yourself
0: learned from your grandmother, did you learn from notations on a page, or did you learn by ear as she taught you
1: well, I was the the naughty one because i would um I was really lucky to memorize really fast I, I so I would listen to something a melody pretty quickly i would I would know it so i wasn't she was always trying to get me to read more you know mm-hmm. but that, I mean, she was a one of, she was a classical pianist as well as a a, a, a traditional Irish singer and harp player. So she had both, and she wanted me to have both. But I, I can read music, but I was trying to, I was trying to avoid the homework, really. I <laughs> honestly, you know, but I was lucky to, to memorize. So she basically it was all passed on by ear. But what we have now with all our the, these ancient pieces of music is that they were collected in the, in the late 18th, early 19th century from other instruments, because the harp would have died out more or less as a as a, an unbroken line, if you will. They, they, they stopped. Nobody learned again after I guess 1820, 1830 it was all gone because there, were, there was no system to support it and then the famine hit so any uh, living memory of such folly as harp playing when people's lives were you know where, where people were dying in their hundreds of thousands there was no I guess you know, prioritising the harp got sidelined and then in the revival in the 1890s because, interesting, it was all men mostly played in the old days. And mm-hmm. if you hear all the historical references, it's like 90% male, 10% female. And then since the revival, it's the other way around. Because it came in as a sort of a, uh, a parlor instrument, if you will. And then the Georgian living rooms of Dublin in, 19, in 1890, 1880, would have been de rigueur to have a harpist rather than a harper. And the only distinction is that a harpist would be how you describe a classical player. And harper was the old f- historical name for the harp players in the Gaelic tradition. So, so
0: do you consider yourself a harper?
1: I do. Well, I, I do both, luckily. Both because Harpist they, uh, a
0: Harper. and Harper. Well, I'm they, uh, just curious on a little side note that really doesn't ha- probably have anything to do with you, but when you mentioned um, the old court retinues of having the Harper and the poet, was the poetry lost too with the invasions? and yeah. Or was that recorded along with the music? And did the two go together?
1: They used to go together. Well, here's the thing. The poetry would have been often written uh, to be recited and accompanied by... Uh, harp instrumental music. Because be, I know that's yeah. it, how yeah. it was
0: in ancient Greece. Yes, and well, it was similar like in the Ireland. Homer yeah. And the, huh. So, did that poetry also get recorded? Is that being carried on as well, or is that lost?
1: Well, fortunately, the poetry was was written down okay. um, a lot a lot sooner than the, there was. There was this we we had like the Book of Kells. Right, people like um, there there was parchment and there was paper being used to write in Gaelic and in Latin. Mm-hmm well before any music was written down. I mean, the Gregorian chant would have been written down, like the monks would have written that, but the Irish music was never, it was always completely confined. But the poetry, luckily, was written down. So we have a, we have that, the Gaelic language in all its, in all its early, you know, in all its, its richness before it was all eradicated, uh, it was was preserved properly. So those poems are there, but the problem is that the music... When you pass a tune on, if anyone passes a tune on, you learn it slightly differently or you put your own little twist on it. Mm -hmm. So if you put 150 years between when a tune and a a poem I went side by side or, or the tune was a song mm-hmm. with lyrics if, uh, and the lyrics survive. but the version of the music that has survived has kind of changed because it's been passed on like Chinese whispers mm-hmm. through people you know mm-hmm. so they won't necessarily correspond. They
0: won't dovetail
1: No they not exactly mm-hmm. but some of them do I mean many of them have been, have been recorded correctly and you have an awful lot of songs that have uh, that are five, six, seven, eight, ten verses long that are in Gaelic that have, that have survived and the melody to go with them but if you have the harp tunes Go back maybe seven, six hundred years, some of them you never know they've they 've been sort of mutated in a way so for so long that you 're not quite sure where they would have been mm-hmm. but uh, but they 're they're, but they're still there and they 're still ours and the new i mean the harp now, when it was revived, they took the stringing from the classical harp, so what used to be a metal strung harp with copper and brass and a willow harp is now maple. Like the most like guitars and and the and the spruce soundboard and the strings are made of they were originally gut like the. The classical harp string mm-hmm. and now they're carbon fiber and they're they're uh, nylon. You know, they're all the new materials. So tell
0: us about. Do you have a particular favorite harp or a group of harps that you use?
1: I have a group of harps. I have um, the reason I came here first was that I was stud- my grandmother. One of her best friends in the world was a harpist from uh, upstate New York, actually way upstate New York, who, who's where? based. Where do you
0: know where?
1: Oh no, she was right on the Canadian border, and she's a very small town, Watertown.
0: <laughs> might have been
1: Watertown actually, but she was a very very small village, yeah. I think, and then she. She ended up studying in in New York, in Juilliard, and then then she would bring her students to Ireland every summer for years, and my grandmother and her sister, my grand aunt, were her best friends, and they would hang out in Dublin for the summer, every summer, and her name was Mrs. Paulson, so I'd hear about this Mrs. Paulson for years, and then finally, when I was like four years studying, my grandmother said, do you want to go play for Mrs. Paulson? So I learned a piece, and I went down to play for Mrs. Paulson who then the next day my grandmother came back having had lunch with her again going, do you want to go study in America for the summer next year you know so and, well, you did. and I did and that's I was 14 yeah. and I went to Vermont I, she had a summer school a summer camp a music camp in uh, just outside of Montpelier and I came uh, when I was 14 I flew into JFK I never forget I was on my own in an airport no, a 747 when I was 14 going to JFK and my cousins lived in New Jersey and they picked me up and I had the most miserable week in New Jersey. It wasn't quite what I had pictured. And then we got to the mountains <laughs> in Vermont. It was beautiful, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, I digress. The reason is she's, she's a classical harpist. So I studied classical music with her for that summer. And then back in Ireland the following year when she brought her students, I studied with her again. And then I, she moved from, she lived in, in New Jersey. She moved to Cape Cod. So I got to, to uh, spend two, about basically nine or 10 months of my life in Cape Cod, continuing my studies. But that first time I was here, the Lounsbury's came, they drove from here, from, from yeah, Eastburn, New York, Helderbergs. to from the Helderbergs to, the, to uh, the Green Mountains of Vermont to pick me up in Montpelier. And we had, 4th of July weekend, I came here. My first, so I was 14 when I was here first, and it was uh, because of the classical harp side that I actually ended up here first. And then you realise that there's a lot more commercial and a lot more uh, broad, a lot broader appeal to, C- to Celtic and Irish music. Than, than in terms of job opportunities or, or gig opportunities than there is with classical music because every orchestra only has one harpist. Right. So if you want a, it's a really disciplined job and it requires focus and it requires auditions and, and you travel a lot just to get a job and you must relocate just to get the job, you know, to, to, to take a job. Whereas with, with the Irish music, luckily it's popular in so many places. You can be based at home and just go touring. And then you go away for a month to Germany or over here for the summer. The festivals in America are always the best for the summer. And then you do a Christmas tour somewhere or you do a you know an autumn tour or a spring tour. But
0: still, that must put a strain on your family life um, to well, be on the road yeah. that much. Did you mm. No. Well, I, well <laughs> you I, I love traveling.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, we always love traveling. My mom was a... Hard, I mean, we, we grew up with that as part of... How we how we operate, yeah. and I was so fortunate that there was no restriction on that. There was never a time when anyone said, "Well, you really should look for a day job," you know, because people have day. My 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 parents were teachers, and they also had you know, performing careers. My dad was also a theater director. He plays piano. He, 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 was, he was directing um, Oklahoma and The Student Prince and Fiddler on the Roof. And I'd hear those, he'd play the piano for them as well as design the set and direct the show. So I had that on one side. And my mom used to love jazz music and she would play, she'd sing Gaelic and she spoke Welsh. She, so I was surrounded by all of this. So luckily there was never a restriction on what you could do. And my first gig proper was that I was 17. I got to play for six months in Japan. And my Tell uncle. us about that, well, Japan.
0: It just it seems so like weird, the most yeah. um, foreign place for Celtic music.
1: Well, what it was, was there was an expo, uh, a world fair in Osaka. And my uncle was in an orchestra at home and word went around they wanted a harp player to go spend six months in this Irish part of the exhibit. Playing. just Basically, they had, it was a design that had a... a a tomb of Newgrange as an entrance and then inside was going to be a harp uh, sculpture and they they priced the sculpture as as the bronze life-size sculpture it was going to be like 90,000 pounds back in 1990 so they decided that it was cheaper to bring a human you know (laughs) (laughs) so so that's how it happened oh wow
0: Mm. well so during uh, six months in Japan at a very young Mm. age I mean did you find your way around how did that work
1: well I I had my own apartment uh-huh. I was 17 I had my own apartment and I had to play seven days a week they didn't trust me I discovered later why I didn't have a day off because the, my boss said well I didn't trust you at 17 not to be not to, not to be off. yeah yeah but he could have anyway We discovered, he discovered later but he gave me a job to I ran the cultural programme at the expo in Milan in 2015 with the same boss like 20 oh, whatever years later 25 oh. years but so but at the time I was 17 so it was I got to play it was really good for you. Know, they talk about this 10,000 hours when you're, when you're studying an instrument that you put in a certain amount of time and then you become properly proficient in your instrument. Well, I had to play four hours a day in in the open air, in the humidity of subtropical Japan in, you know, from June, far from, from April to October uh, of 1990. So I, I put in my the, the, hours. the hours and the blisters and the heat <laughs> yeah. and everything else. And it was great because it's, it's for all of it's, you know, it was a bit of a trial, but it was great because I was I just I, I, I practiced. I played every day for, for an audience. And um, in the middle of all that in, I think it was June or July of that year, uh, Seamus Heaney, the writer, was coming over to Japan to, to a writers conference mm-hmm. in Kyoto. And he had met the crown prince, the then crown prince and his wife in, on a visit to Ireland a few years before that. He was now the emperor. And the, the Irish ambassador was a bit of an operator. So he goes, so you're having a reception for Seamus Heaney. Would you like a harp to, to play at it? <laughs> you know.
0: So you got to meet Seamus Heaney?
1: I did. i the emperor of Japan. I got to oh. play. I got, Well, here's the thing. It was the empress had, had been taught by the Irish nuns in Tokyo for a while and learned the harp. So the idea was that I would perform for the empress and for Seamus Heaney and his wife when they were visiting. Um, so I, get, I bought a new suit I didn't even own a suit my first suit I had to buy for this and then I go to Japan, to Tokyo on the on the bullet train from Osaka with my harp and I land in and there's a you know the, the, I prepare I tune the harp and I leave the room and I'm nervous as all hell my stomach I couldn't leave for three days afterwards I was so nervous <laughs> I was okay I said keep it together your country you know, you're representing Ireland keep it together but I walk into the room and everybody's standing up, and uh, the or my, I my memory of it is this is a while ago now. But I see the guy, the man beside the empress, and I'm seeing, and I'm, I recognised him because I'd seen him on television, and I knew his, his brother, um, Hitachi, had had visited the the expo, so I met. He looked very like his brother, and I realised, oh my God, that's the Emperor of Japan. So he wasn't meant to be there, but he was. So that was my that was the highlight now from from, from Japan from.
0: That, yeah. That trip, well, you know? so you found pockets of Irish culture all over the world. Tell us about some of the other places that you've performed and what the reception's been like.
1: Let me see now. Um, one of the, I guess, uh, Tanzania. Not, well, we, we were doing a, a show that we did Tanzania, the most unusual places I got to play, Tanzania and Brazil.
0: Okay, let's hear fun. about Tanzania first. Well, it
1: was well uh, I work with Moya Brennan, who's a, a singer from a group called Clanad. I don't know if you're familiar with, that. have you heard of Enya perhaps, uh, the singer Enya? Well, her sister Moya, they, they began together in a group called Clanad from Donegal in the northwest of Ireland, and they ended up doing music for Last of the Mohicans and Patriot Games, some of these movies. But uh, So Moya is also a patron with uh, the Christian Blind Mission, and they just go around helping, uh, they, they don't impose anything they just go over and help local organisations in all these different countries uh, to bring, basically bring buses out to the different uh, 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 rural areas with doctors and treatments for river blindness and all these things that, mm. they, that are easily treated if you can find them so, so Moya and I have been working together for many years as, as a, you know, in the arts but one of her other uh, hats is as, a, as an ambassador for this organisation so we got to the Irish embassy in Tanzania and Moya did, we did a concert uh, to fundraise for this so it's amazing when you can do something from good as well as playing yeah. but the interest in Irish again it's so strange that the, for whatever reason and I'm not sure what it is there is an a, an appeal a, a kind of a, not a universal but a, quite a broad appeal for Irish music in the most unlikely places I guess the rhythms people can lock in from very you can go from jazz and blues and from traditional African or, or um, even Indian music uh, into uh, into uh, you can lock them in. They don't they don't necessarily they're not similar, but the the rhythms can 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 join forces. So I guess they they relate or they they can enjoy it. And we were able to raise money. And then Maya went back and did a concert on her own and raised ten thousand dollars for a bus in one gig oh in my. Tanzania. So How did was she
0: get interested in the blind? What was well? Her? It
1: was it was she has she's a she's a wonderful heart of a, and she's got this uh, this ability to to gather everyone around her. Like she would be very she would have. Been, you know, she did a duet with Bono from U2, and they, you know, I was in the top of the pops in in England and in Ireland, so and she would know, um, you know, Pete Seeger, she would have known Pete Seeger, mm. she would have known all the uh, you know, uh, she's done duets with Michael McDonald and with Robert Plant and all these people along the way, and Sting. So there's you know.
0: like this international community mm. of singers, and you can are call,
1: yeah, and they can call on, and when, when something is to be needs to be done, and and you can call on your friends, so the, she's the kind of person who if she hears about something a plight of of children in war zones or in you know or river blindness that should be treated and that isn't and that people just need to m- motivate someone to do something those kinds of causes uh are, are are something she gravitates towards and i've been lucky to work with her for god no, 15 20, 16 years now and we've done two albums together and then we have um We've toured all over the world. I've been to Australia. We've, you know, I've been to all these places. But what stays with me most is the trip to Tanzania mm-hmm. of all the different places I've gone. And yeah.
0: you mentioned Brazil too. What was unique about that? Well, again,
1: same thing with Moya, but yeah. a different different. Uh, Pele, the soccer, player. his wife was also a patron of a similar uh, charity. So we did two shows: one in São Paulo and one in Recife, for to raise awareness uh, of of the various things. That, and it wasn't. It was. I forget now what... There was a specific uh, charity that she worked with there. It wasn't... Because what they do, they don't go in and, and impose their own structure. They just go in and, and try and assist who was the people already from the place working in wherever the place may be. So we did a, an awareness... So the TV was interested because she was, uh, you know, a singer. of you know she had a Grammy and she's got, you know, she's Enya's sister, but, you know, Enya's her sister technically. She's the older one, so Enya's her sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which way you say you know, it's exactly, a matter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But... I guess that those kinds of things are, you know. But I mean, on the regular front, we'd be touring Germany and Holland, and they've they've had a, a huge following there for thirty five, forty years with Clanit. So we would kind of tap into that when she does her solo stuff with us, and and I would be it would be two harps and a fiddle and guitar, and we're all friends, and we're all not just colleagues, we're friends. So it's really never a tour; it's like a vacation. Most of it. And, the, and the only. Work is the travel. Is is the bus getting up, and getting, getting from one place yeah, to the next, loading up the bus, mm. and then loading stuff into the venue, getting ready, and then loading it out again at the end of the night and traveling back to wherever. We, and if you're doing the driving as well, you have to you can't have the beer at the end of the night or the glass of wine. You have to drive and be responsible. So that's the only. If that's the hard work, you know, am I so fortunate that that's the? Yeah, that's how it works, you know.
0: Well, can you us about the music itself that you do hmm. I know you brought with you some CDs I and did. we're going to cut them into our recording Sean's yeah. going to be doing that but <laughs> just tell us a little about some of the wide variety of things that you've done
1: well I guess the, the beauty of what I've done is like it coming from this background that I have that that is mainly Gaelic but with a hints of classical and of, of blues and of jazz and of all these things that are around it. Not true jazz, I'm, I'm in the wrong I'm, Ireland isn't not the country for jazz but it has an appreciation. Mm-hmm. But I have um, so, the, so the Gaelic language uh, the songs that we would have grown up with as kids were all in Gaelic and, and you,
0: some of those recordings are done with your family, right? M-
1: most of them. Which, and, the beu- and the best of all is that my brother, Fanon, who's a guitar player uh, with a band called Runa over here these days. He's moved over here for 10 years now. Here in the United here States. The U.S. He's okay. living out just in Newtown, Pennsylvania at the moment, yeah. But are they tour. I think they, they played at Old Songs here once. What's the name of their band? Uh, Runa, R-U-N-A.
0: Okay. Actually, we wrote about them when yeah, they were at Old that's Songs. My bro- yeah. That's
1: Finan's, uh, my brother Fanon's band. Okay. And he, uh, But he's also a stunning uh, engineer, producer as well as being a whiz on the guitar. Um, so he has, so he has so basically every album we've done, he's either flown home to do it or he was still home when we were doing it. Um, and he's got a, such a magic touch. So that's how it's been possible. But I've done work with a, a harpist friend of mine who is a, a classical harpist and also sings in Gaelic too. But she and I have done a mixture of Baroque music where we would play O'Carolan, who was our most famous Irish composer of the 17th century for Irish harp. Who's influenced by Baroque music at the time, and, and then is we, she
0: based in Dublin. She's in Dublin, so we do okay. a lot of
1: work together. And uh-huh. then, but we do we would play Handel, we would play you know Bach and, ba- and some Handel and Bach, and then our own carol, and, and then we drive, then we branch into the Irish um, dance music, the the fiddle music, you know, the fiddle and flute music you'd be familiar with, mm-hmm. um, the stuff you hear in Riverdance who play that on the harp, as well as the, the classical and the more Baroque Irish, because the Irish harp music of the old days would have been considered kind of art music or the classical music of Ireland. It would have been, you know, it would have been separate from the the, the Cayleys if you will at the time it was way back you know it would have right. been considered the music of the court so it would have been up there in in regarded in the similar way uh, to the to the baroque music at the time so that was that's was one side and then with uh, with Moya, i've done this kind of it's, it's a bit new age it's a bit celtic it's a bit i guess this term <laughs> celtic
0: the idea of putting yeah. new age <clears throat> with celtic mm. i'm just trying to like well. make that go together in my head
1: I guess if you listen to Clownlands, you'll hear, and there's one, there's one here, that's, it's, a, it's a new album that I've done, it's not been released yet, and uh, there's one track I think maybe from that that will explain what, wh- the, the sound that I'm talking, because there is no, like for us growing up, Celtic music meant music from Ireland, Scotland, Wales, the Isle of Man, or Brittany uh, in the northwest of France, because they were the Celtic countries where the right. Celtic languages were spoken and they're still spoken. And where so, that
0: harp was used. Hmm, exactly. Right.
1: And so they, so f- for us, that was Celtic. But over here, you have people like Lorena McKennet or Enya, or these people put into this Celtic genre, which, which is only a, new con- it's, it's only a new concept. So the idea of Celtic being a genre is, is new, and it's only really over here in the, in the US that, they, that it's seen that way. But it, what it is, it's, it's drawing on the Welsh music and the Breton music and the Scottish and the Irish to create...
0: This new genre music, here. yeah. Oh. So it,
1: it is, it's root, basically, it's Celtic roots, if you want to think about or roots in Celtic rather, they don't. Yeah. Is how, so that's one element of what I do because the harp is central to that. And then I work with a, a rock singer, a pop a punk singer from the 80s called Hazel O'Connor. She and I did a theatre show in Dublin together. In well, just
0: tell us how you got together with Hazel. Yeah.
1: Well, basically, the the, the, the the stars aligned again. We we worked on a theatre show, a WB Yeats production at home.
0: So you also do theatre? I,
1: I play music for theatre as well, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I wish I could do more. It's been a while since I, I love doing it, but it's you have to. Rec- it's a time commitment that I haven't been able to and do for a while. Did
0: you get into that with, through your father? Because you said he did uh, theatre. My, my,
1: my both sides. my mom's yeah. side, I yeah. believe my yeah. mom's cousin was 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 the one. They were looking for a harp player again for something, and um, this director wanted a harp. So my cousin was stage manager, and he goes, "Well, try Cormac, see if it, see if it, if you're a good fit." And we did that. This was 1992 in 93, and then from that, the next production again, he was was directing was a W.B. Yeats play uh, and Hazel O'Connor the what singer. What was the play? It was called At the Well, part of the Cú cycle. Cú was the, the hero of uh, one of the great legendary heroes of Irish folklore and Yeats wrote a cycle of five plays around his life and the queen the high queen of Ireland, Queen Emer, was being played by Hazel O'Connor who had been she'd written, she did a movie called Breaking Glass back in 1980 in England and it was about this young rock singer that was being you know, exploited by the management and ripped off by her agents and all that and she wrote all the music herself and she became, she won, a, you know, there were uh, many awards she won in, in the UK for it I don't, th- I don't think it was a big movie here but um, she, had, she was one of a presence on stage and she's got this Marianne Faithful kind of voice so they wanted the harp to go with this for the, just to because he had Michael, Michael Scott, the director loves to mess with people's minds as to what, what would work because you'd always associate her with bass and drums and keys and electric guitars so he wanted to just, just with harp. So we did all, all this with harp. And then she got invited to do a one-woman show in Edinburgh at the Fringe Festival to talk about her life and her ups and downs in the business, music business. And um, she would have been really close friends with George Michael, Elton John, in the, in the 80s. You know, so they, they were, she was huge for a, few, for a few years. And then the rip-offs did, just derailed her career. Hmm. But as a performer, she's still, as a songwriter, she's wonderful. So we ended up doing all of her punk songs from this Breaking Glass movie just with Irish harp at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 1998. And from there, we got in, uh, we got tours. We got like duo tours. And my brother joined us on guitar, another brother. And then we did a band, Rockful Rock Tour, where I sat in with the rock band. So that's how. That, so that's that's another facet that really was one of my first. So the, my in order of appearance, it would have been my solo stuff, then Anne Marie and myself and the two ar- two harps doing the harp duos, and then Hazel. The rock stuff was next. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, what what <laughs> an crazy. arc for a yeah, career. Yeah. And now I understand our time is winding down, but you're heading off to Los Angeles, and what is it you're doing there? Well,
1: through Hazel, this is a friend of our a mutual friend of ours is a producer. Uh, her name is Lynn Earls, and she is uh, at the moment she's the chair of the LA. Chapter of the Grammys for the producers and engineers, and she is a, she was a friend of Hazel's from Wicklow in Ireland, in County Wicklow, just south of Dublin. And she produced an album for Katie Lang a couple of years ago, and she and I are writing music together. For um we did one TV documentary for our, for Irish TV already as a, just as you know as, as a soundtrack writers, and she and I and Moya Brennan are putting a new voices and harps our, our third project with Moya together, but also we're we're putting a catalogue of music together, hopefully to sell to a. Uh, to the music supervisors at, in in Hollywood for for, uh, for movies, so oh, or for how film exciting. at least. exciting! Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so uh, we haven't touched at all on your being a composer as well. How how did that happen? What part point in your career did you start writing music? Well, and with, is yeah. it rooted in the Irish tradition, or what what kind of music is it?
1: Well, it's a mix now. Luckily, it's all of the above because my first writing was with Hazel. We mm-hmm. began to write songs for her, for, her new, for the album we did as a, as a, to accompany the, the stage production we did. We wrote, so she, got, she had me to write just a few ideas for, for the chord structures and chord sequences, and then she would put the words on, and I'd watch her create a song. So that began the songwriting part of it, and that was my first writing. And then my brother and I were putting, on the guitar, we were putting tracks down for my first solo album, and we are trying to come up with traditional dance tunes, to you know like jigs and reels to play. And then Fanon was sitting in the control room going, well, we could just write one. So we began to write. So we wrote the opening tune and the closing tune uh, as a, as, a, as a putting our heads together. And then I guess with Moya, we've written, she and I have written three or four songs on the various albums. But this, the new project we have is called the Cranua Collective. And it's myself and Moya and my brother Eamon, another brother. <laughs> and then you have the guitar great John Doyle and a wonderful American singer, Ashley Davis, who's based out of New York and she's from Kansas. but. She, would have been, she did a master's in Ireland in traditional singing. So she, So we're all writing all this new music in the traditional style. So from the sort of the half punk, half rock stuff, then we go back to the traditional. And then now this is a, a mixture of all of that where we draw on all the different uh, aspects and put an entire album of new music, new, new tunes, new songs, some of them in English, some of them in Gaelic, some of them bilingual. Um, and it's not yet released. It's only it's it's finished about nine months. Before. We're trying to find the right home for it before we release it. So it's it's uh it's exciting. It's about to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you must have audiences around the world because you've played in all these places, mm. and it's it must be a very unusual marketing scheme that you have <laughs> because. Um,
1: well, I look forward. I mean, the thing is, I'm looking forward to uh, this because it's it's so different, and you're trying to draw on. Like you say, it's so, so scattered in a way. there are people in in Australia, people in New Zealand, people in Russia. I've done some shows in, in Brazil, Moscow Brazil, in Tanzania, exactly but the beauty Japan. of yeah and the, but the, the internet is the thing i mean it's it's all about you know your Facebook and your Instagram and all this it's it's become a, a, a an integral a fundamental part of reaching the audience so what the audience. Facebook you know?
0: should our listeners be attuned to? Oh, my,
1: my name, Cormac Dibara. Just, oh, just my name, that's yeah. easy. Okay. And the Instagram is reverse it. it's Dibara Cormac. <laughs>
0: And um, <laughs> we are drawing to our end. Do you have any closing thoughts or things that you... I mean, there's so many. We could talk for hours. You're just a fascinating person. <laughs> but sometimes there's something important that the guest wants to say, and I haven't touched on it.
1: Well, I guess, I mean, when I'm sitting here in, in, you know, in, in New York State, I think that the, the wonder of what's been supported over here, you have the Catskills, you have all these festivals around, the, the you know, Ohio and, and Milwaukee and all these different places that, like, uh, you know, we have, we have the Milwaukee Irish Festival, Dublin, Ohio by Columbus. The amount of people over here who support Irish music is magnificent. And where it, I think they've kept, if anyone's listening, that that's, and they feel nobody's appreciating how, how they've supported, I think the, the amount of Irish musicians who've come over and have either found a new home here or found a summer home here or been supported, I, I think it's it, is really, it has kept a lot of people in music who might have drifted away to other things so it's, it's, it's been it's always great to come over because you, you feel a sense of it's valued even more than it is at home sometimes because at home it's, so, it's everywhere so no one's going to buy a ticket to go and see a session because they, I shall get in the pub down the street and you know, I won't bother yeah. you know seriously we're terrible <laughs> here we're,
0: it's a special event yeah, yeah. we're
1: terrible at home for buying tickets for Irish things you know Bruce mm-hmm. Springsteen will sell out Garth Brooks there was a fight over tickets for Garth Brooks because he had too many concerts and it was because it sold out too fast so it's funny what, you know, what works at home, what people, the perception of Ireland is that, you know, this is, this stuff is everywhere and it's revered. It is everywhere, thankfully, but it's not, you know, it's over here and in Australia places where you find the, the support and in Canada too, where people actually buy tickets to go and see <laughs> it. So it's really, well, very much appreciated, you know.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to have Cormac's music to play us out. Thank you.
2: If she's a a happy, and you Cowell and Susie Saton and is Cappy, and and Cowell and the Pristick is Cappy, and Pristick is do Can't with can't with Fike. Cowell and Susie Saton and the Pristick and Pristick is Cuando yo ya se tengo y me escapé can take a fight? she's a you'll be stuck and she's a you'll be a a Cowell and Sushis are told when you and you're Bishikaska, Bishikaska, Cowell and Sushis are told when you're you're Bishikaska, Bishikaska, Cowell and and you